What's up, everybody? Welcome to Murph and the Mage. I am your host, the Mage. I am joined by my co-host, Murph. What's up, what's up, New York? So, you can find me on Twitter at the Mage underscore NFL. Murph. You can find me at one Murph Blue. And you can find us on Twitter at Murph and the Mage. You can also find us on Instagram as well. So, Murph, how you doing tonight, brother? Doing good, doing good, man. Just getting ready for the combine. Uh, been watching some Rangers hockey. Um, slow, slow point in the year for us right now, but baseball is upon us, and it's coming. All the good meat and potatoes of sports is coming. Well, have no fear, because we do have a couple topics for you tonight. So, why don't we just get right into it. So... First thing on the menu for tonight is the CBA. So a couple items that are being proposed in the new CBA is that the preseason will go from four games to three games. However, the regular season will go from 16 to 17. And they also want to increase the number of teams in the playoffs. So it will go from six playoff teams to seven playoff teams per conference with only one team getting a first round buy instead of two. Merv? Oh man, this is uh this is an interesting one for the NFL. They love playing games over the off season and seeing what how they can fuck up the league a little bit more. Um personally, I think they should be fixing some other things like refereeing and getting real officials in there, but hey, not my world. Um but yeah, you know, the the six playoff team, two first round buy is the traditional NFL way. Um, you know, going to the seven playoff team per conference and one team gets a bye, I mean, I just, I don't know. To me, that just takes away from the historical nature of the game. Um, you know, this is the regular CBA playoffs is what we've always known, at least for me. Um, but just to give everybody kind of an example of what we're seeing here, you know, with the 2019 playoffs, the Chiefs and the Packers were both one seeds and received buys. Um, in this new proposed CBA, the Chiefs and the Packers would still get those those first uh, those number one seeds. However, um, they would be facing the seventh seeded team, which would be the newcomer. Um, you know, for me, if the Giants were to make the playoffs next year and they pass this thing, and we didn't get a first round buy, and we worked all year long for that first round buy. Um, I'd be a little bit upset as a fan from a player's perspective. I can't speak on that, but I would think a player would be a little upset. Um, I've seen some, some tweets from some players out there and um, you know, before, before I get into my part of it, like what do you think about it, Mage? I mean, for me, I don't, I don't see this being a, a huge necessary thing for them. So just to clarify what you're talking about here. So the second seed will no longer get the first round by the second seed will then face the seventh seed. Correct. Yep. Yep. Correct. Yeah. So, I, I mean, look, I, I, I think there are some other things in the CBA um, that might have some player priority. Um, we already seen a couple players speak out against this. Um, so one of them was JJ Watt, Richard Sherman, Leonard Fournette. So a couple of these guys had basically already said, Hey, fuck this shit. We're not signing this, you know? Um, and then there are a couple of things in that, that it do give them some added benefit. The other thing, which is included in the CBA, which 
is it also narrows the testing window to two weeks. Really? That's cool. So instead of it beginning on April 20th, it will now open up just before the start of training camps. So, and the other thing is too, that it also raises the threshold for a positive test. So it goes from 35 nanograms to 150, which basically eliminates suspensions for strictly for positive testing. So, um, you know, that's certainly something in there that players are going to want. And that, you know, really any collectively bargained um, CBA going forward for any of these athletes, they're going to want that clause in there. Um, yeah, no, I'm glad you brought that marijuana point up, honestly, um, because when people see CBA, they typically think about the financial aspect of it. And then with all these beat writers and ESPN people pushing this whole new proposed playoff thing, the fans don't see the, the small things as far as like what you just brought up with the marijuana, you know, there's a lot in the the CBA besides player contracts and playoffs. Um, So I'm glad you brought that up because, you know, that's something that the players have definitely been fighting for, for a while and has definitely affected some teams on certain levels. Josh Gordon, for an example. Um, So, you know, there's some good in the CBA, but for me personally, I just don't think the, the fan, the, um, Sorry. I don't think the players are going to buy us. Um, the 17th game is probably the dagger for these guys. We don't, as fans, we don't see the brutal side of this this um, sport. You know, the first thing I thought about when I saw this was um, the story that Rob Gronkowski told when he retired. How he spent his night of the Super Bowl win in bed draining a quart of blood out of his quad. You know... At the end of the day, these guys are going to legal war on the field. So adding one more game to their already brutal 16th stretch of a season is probably not going to make them very happy. Um, But then to your point, adding in the marijuana clause and, um, you know, we're going to get to the the revenue shares here. Um, But, you know, if they can find a way to make this and meet in the middle – I think it it could pass, but personally, I don't think this is going to go anywhere until um, after the year. the uh, The owners, to me, are are using this as a money grab. Yeah. So the one thing that you highlighted on was the um, revenue sharing. So it goes up from forty seven percent to forty eight and a half percent, and with the number of plays in the league, that's only on average about three million per player. Um, but yet you're still going to have certain clauses in there. So you're going to have, um, you know, the, uh, veteran minimum stuff like that as well. So they're not, it, not each player is going to see that. And it's mostly dominated by the top, the top half of the, um, NFL, those, uh, stars. So I'm not sure how much that's really going to matter to players. And especially, I think there is some sort of, um, close in there with that 17th game. I don't think they're seeing full revenue from it. I think it only works out to be a certain amount. According to Tom Pelissero of the NFL Network, he wrote the other day that um, for any player who already has an existing contract prior to this new 17th game schedule, they'll be capped on that 17th game check. They won't get more. Th- they'll be capped at $250,000. So, I, I don't see this passing. Who, who's going to want to do that? It doesn't make sense to me. Yeah, I mean, uh, it. 
I agree. I totally agree. And I've said it from the start. The players aren't going to buy this. Um, I read a, a tweet from Scheffner yesterday, and it said basically the owners have given then given their pitch, and it's basically take it or leave it. So, in my opinion, we're probably heading out for a, we're heading for a lockout at the end of next year. Um, something else to keep an eye on, which I found a little interesting. Where there's smoke, there's fire. Um, the league has moved the franchise tag date back from February 25th to February 27th to buy the negotiators on both sides some more time. Um, the NFLPA as a whole is going to have to come together within a two-day window and potentially um, propose a new CBA. So, you know, they're, they're playing with fire here. I, I, I personally don't see this passing. Um, I want this to pass because this is going to change the entire dynamic of the way free agency operates. Um, but personally, from my opinion... I think that we entered 2020 with the same CBA and they will get to work on it next summer. I agree. I, I, I think this is going to drag out for the um, NFL and these uh, new collective bargaining agreement. So we will certainly see. So let's move on to the NFL combine. All right. So a couple things that we learned today from the NFL combine is Burrow only has nine inches. Fortunately, not where it counts. <laughs> uh, Tua was seen limping, or is that just swag? And Chase Young says, fuck you, I'm not working out. So, what do you say, Murph? I think this is going to be one of the most uncertain drafts that we've had in years. Um, I put a tweet out earlier. A lot of people aren't going to agree with this. I don't think Joe Burrow is a generational talent. Um, Tua, I just, I like the kid a lot. I And let, let me back up. I like Joe Burrow, but I need to see him with not a star-studded staff. Um, but on, back on to Tua, you know, that injury he had is just devastating. And I feel horrible for him and prayers out to him for that. But, um... It'd be really hard for me to have a top five pick and be okay drafting to a to a tackle area. Um when the both the player and his doctor have said they're not sure how the hip's gonna hold up. To me that's a red flag. Um Chase Young's Chase Young, whatever. Um but I do wanna make a, a funny point here, or not a funny point, a, a solid point. Um doing some research. 58 wide receivers have entered the NFL draft. 58 wide receivers to me is just absolutely insane. You know, um, I would, I, I think I asked Mage earlier how many off the top of the head he thought were in the draft, and he said 32. Um, I think the norm is usually around 25 to 30. Um, 58 wide receivers entering the draft is absolutely crazy to me. Um, we can put these guys one, two, three, four, five, rank them however they want, whether they're deep threats, possession guys, whatever. But at this point, I, I don't think it's fair to say who's better than who because this draft with wide receivers is going to be crazy. Well, and I think there was a tweet out there the other day. Um, I forget who it was by, um, but they said that 27 of these wide receivers had a at least a third-round grade or higher. Is it that correct? Yeah, I saw that too. I believe it was a Philly beat reporter. Um, 27 wide receivers with grades round three or higher. Um, I believe he said the norm was 27 for eight or for the entire draft. 
Um, so that puts it into perspective right now that there's some real elite talent entering the uh, wide receiver that is just here insane for 2020 crazy man I mean, crazy. It, it, to have 27 in a regular draft seven rounds to have 27 this year with a grade of th- uh third round or higher is just I, <laughs> that that just goes to show how deep this draft class is and also too right for anybody that wants a giants to draft judy at four um you can uh, you can still end ass. up with a very good wide receiver in the second and third rounds of this draft. Um, you know, especially a guy like uh, Lavishka that's, uh, you know, he, he ha- plays hard. Um, you know, he, he has a lot of uh, traits that's reminiscent of Debo Samuel from last year as well. Kind of a Swiss Army knife, do everything. I really like him as well. So, um, back to Burrow. So, do you think hand size really has anything to do with this you still think he's going first overall to Cincinnati yeah I mean for Burrow uh you know the hype is there for him he's the Heisman winner he played on a star-studded staff at LSU um I don't think hand size is going to have much to do with where he goes I still think he's probably going to go number one but then again I these boards are going to change big time over the next month but I think I don't think today is going to have any um, negativity on his his draft placement. Um, what about you? Um, who is it? Mel Kiper, I think that is obsessed with uh, hand size, right? And Mel Kiper is constantly talking about hand size for quarterbacks. Yes. Um, I don't know. I I, I think Joe Burrow is still going to go first overall uh, because all the other intangibles that can't be taught. Um, can he throw a football to a college football pretty well? Right. So I, I, I'm not that worried about hand size where people are concerned is, you know, the, uh, grip, um, does increase the number of fumbles, et cetera, stuff like that. I don't think it's really going to impact him as much. This is something that he's been doing for how long now he knows how to hold the football. He'll be all right. It's all those other intangibles that you can't teach that, um, you know, has him projected to go first overall. So moving on to Tua. Hold on real quick. What size hands do you think Danny had? I don't remember. Just take a guess. Uh, yeah, it's pretty close it, to like Burrow. Nine and a half, nine quarters, something like that. Yeah, nine. Nine and three quarters. So... My point is... And look, he fumbled! <laughs> does it have something to do with bulk security? We shall see. So, moving on to Tua. So, you mentioned about Tua, and then you mentioned about his doctors as well. So, I mean, where do you see a good landing spot for Tua here? He's he's at the Combine. He's going to do medicals. He's going to do interviews. I'm so indifferent about the guy. I'm in his corner. Um, I, re- I really like him. I like both the person he is and the player he is. Um, but like I said earlier, I just when the doctor and the player both say they're unsure, it just leaves a, a bad taste in my mouth. Um, you know, that's that's a little unsettling for a head coach to hear or a general manager to hear. Um, but hey, you know, Daniel Jones was Gettleman's guy and he went and got him. So if somebody feels like two is there and that hip is going to hold up, you got to go get your guy. And if that's Miami, that's Miami. Or if that's the Redskins, that's the Redskins. But um, I don't know. I think this this week is is huge for Tua. You know, he he's got a lot of um, adversity to battle through. But uh, 
you know, as far as him being on the field, I think he's a gamer. What he did in that national championship during his first um, game play, real-time gameplay, um, was just absolutely amazing. I think he has that it factor, but that hip's never going to go out of the back of my head. Yeah, you know what? I Two is really going to have to impress in his interviews, and he's going to have to show that he's savvy, and he's going to have to show that he can get these teams to overlook his medical, especially with that hip. I know that, uh, what was it, maybe a few weeks ago, he got a, uh, he, the grade coming back on the hip, it was that it was looking okay, so that that was positive for him, but he's really going to have to impress these coaches with his um, ability to survey the field, be able to read a defense in those meeting rooms. He's really going to have to show that he knows what he's looking for and what he's talking about. Uh, so do you think that the... Uh, proper landing spot here is still uh miami at five if he knocks everything out of the park and checks out good yeah i mean i, I he's definitely I, I i don't i'm not gonna sit here and say he's not out of question for number one i don't really necessarily really? probably see that happening but you know i mean we've seen some crazy stuff happen at the combine man um you know i don't think he's gonna go number one but i'm not gonna sit here and say he can't what happens if he lights up the combine and has a equivalent for a quarterback of a Saquon Barkley combine, you know? Um, teams are all about what have you done for me lately, and they forget the past pretty quick. Um, so, you know, I don't know. But I definitely think he, uh, him, Herbert, and Burrow are, are not locks anywhere in this draft yet. Um, I think that's still a jury to be decided. Um, everybody's been on the Burrow train since he won the national championship and that's great. And Burrow has some factors that I think he can be the number one pick. Um, but I don't, you know, we do this every single year with quarterbacks and it's going to change a thousand times by April. So I'm not ready to rule two out as number one. Yeah. Well, if you ask one of the elites, uh, Jonathan Pericelli, he'll tell you that, uh, he, he thinks two is the best quarterback in this draft. So and probably before the injury, he was. I mean, yeah. I mean, Johnny, Brendan. Yeah, well, b- b- before the injury, the uh, the uh, tagline was what tank for Tua. So, you know, it. it, it, it yeah, I mean, let's be real. Giants fans were are planning on possibly looking at Tua in this draft. I mean, before we got Daniel, and we weren't sure if we were taking a quarterback last year. I mean, Tua was definitely circulating around Giants Twitter a lot. That name and. Um, I definitely saw a couple custom edits of two in Giants jerseys. So, you know, we talk about it all the time. Time changes and things change. And I'm not sitting. I'm not going to sit here and say that he can't go number one because he can. Anybody can. Well, could he go number four to the Giants? The Giants do have the fourth no. pick. The Giants are in a position to get to it this year. Come on, Murph. Don't, Come on. Don't start this shit. No. I'm shutting that down right now. <laughs> and I know you're just you're just pulling my chain. All right, changing topics. So we go from the football field to the baseball field. That's right. Go Yankees. Go Yankees. Yes, yeah. sir. Kings of New York, unlike your poverty Would team. You stop. We're selling the team, all right? A-Rod's going to buy us, and A-Rod is going to lift lift us up. From the depths of baseball hell, and we are going to be relevant again. You watch and see. Ten championships over the next 15 years. Go Mets. Mm-hmm. 
Uh-huh. So yeah, 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 yeah. Let's Same talk about the Giants, them right? uh... and the Knicks. <laughs> well, yeah, I could care less about the Knicks, but so so let's talk about those Houston Astro. I'm sorry, the Houston Astros, not the Asterix. My bad. How did I forget about that? So they have set the over on uh, the over under for hit by a pitch at eighty three and a half. The normal in any given year, the average is forty six and a half. We're fucking smashing that over. It's gonna make the game better. <laughs> um, no, I mean personally, I think Manfred completely shit the bed on this whole thing. Um, the MLB's always complaining about losing viewers. The game being down, nobody watching the game, nobody coming out to the ballpark on Sundays, nobody on Saturdays, and nobody um, buying any merchandise at the field. You know, what's a better way to get the sport back in the viewers' favor than seeing some pitchers rock some batters? Yeah, well, you know what? I, I mean, it, 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 if Manfred is worried about viewership... I'll tell you what, I'll buy tickets for the rest of the season, or I'll buy series tickets. I don't care if I get to watch every one of these shows get pegged with a fastball. <laughs> you know, I, I mean, it's just absolutely ridiculous. And the amount of remorse that these players showed, I mean, come on. You know, it's, oh, he doesn't want to take his shirt off or his jersey off because his wife doesn't like him doing that. Then he's posing pictures of him at the beach. His wife is taking a video of him dancing on the bed without a shirt. Oh, you know what? No, it's not because of that. It's because he has a fucking cat tattoo on his fucking collarbone. Oh, all right. And then some. he walks by a reporter the other day with his shirt off. It's some sort of tattoo on the collarbone. It's, it's nothing freaking hideous. You know, like some tattoos that we've seen. I, it, this is just... It's completely out of hand. And then Carlos Correa going back and forth. Um, you know, Cody Bellinger was uh, rightfully upset. So was uh, Mike Trout. But, you know, it, Carlos Correa going back and saying... Mo- everybody is. I haven't seen a player back but, them. But, you know? The entire league is Carlos pissed. Correa has the nerve to say... If you don't know the if you don't know the facts, then shut the fuck up. Like what? Like everybody knows what happened. You fucking cheated. Well, and that's my whole thing with this, man. Yeah, and that's what's crazy about this whole fucking thing is like, you know, these players are standing up there like pompous assholes, sitting up on the podium, and acting like they didn't do fucking shit, and they have a ring to show for it, and all this crap. Well, dude, this has all been proven, has it not? I mean, like. They're acting like it's it's in the investigation stages, but it's a proven fucking scheme. They cheated. So how are you going to sit up there and act like nothing happened? Like, you're asking to get your ass bolted by pitches on opening day. And I hope they fucking do, because that's going to make for a hell of an opening day. But then, you know, you, you started bringing up getting hit by pitches, and it, fucking Manfred sitting up there in his little ESPN interview and said, Anybody that throws at them is going to be immediately suspended. Good. Well, Good. Fine. You know fucking why? Bring I, 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 I'll tell you what, are gonna... Let him suspend all the fucking pitches. You know why? I want to see Kershaw throw at him. I want to see Cole throw at him. I want to see Tanaka throw at him. Verlander. Whoever. Well, Verlander still. <laughs> but, I, I, I mean, I, I, I want to see them throw <laughs> at them. And I want to see Manfred suspend them. Right? You, you already have a sport that's dying. Yeah. That you can't get viewership for, and you're going to start suspending star players. 
Because if they're doing something that you want to do, they're retaliating against the Astros and punishing them. You don't want to take the title away from them? Fine. Right? They're going to sit up there and then they're not going to show any remorse? Then so be it. You know what? I'm, I'm completely fine with the players taking this into their own hands and pegging the shit out of them. So I know Jose Altuve got booed today. That's not enough to me. Right? I, it, look... I, I don't agree with throwing a fastball at somebody's head. Somebody can get severely hurt. But, I mean, something needs to be done. Strip them Absolutely. of the fucking title then. So, in this way, it, you set the precedent now. So, what do, what did this tell anybody? Cheat? And then if you win, it's okay well, because thing, we'll let you man. keep your like, title? Fuck that. Yeah, fuck that. And also, you know... You can strip the title, you can take the rings, you can do whatever, but personally, for me, that doesn't do shit. These dudes need to face fucking suspensions. And if that means the entire team is suspended for an X amount of games, then so fucking be it. But they fucked with the integrity of the game. They didn't just cheat, and they didn't just fucking, you know, steal steal a sign here or there. They had a fucking Ponzi scheme to cheat the game. They fucked the integrity of the baseball game. Could you Murph, imagine? Like, it's no different than Deflategate, dude. If, if you're going to go ahead wrong. and you're going to let the Astros keep the 2017 title, then you need to reinstate Pete Rose. That's it. I I, I mean, no, how yeah, you do. Shoeless Joe Jackson, um, you know, died and he didn't make it into Hall because everything that happened, um... You know, with the Black Sox. Um, so, and then you're keeping Pete Rose out, right? And then you're going to start letting these um, uh, steroid era, um, hitters get get into the hall. Eventually, they're going to make their way in. But, and at the end of the day, w- mm-hmm. what the Astros did, how is it any different? They cheated their way to a title. At the end of the day, without stripping them in that 2017 title, at the end of the day, they can still call themselves World Series champions. There's no aster going on it. There's nothing. He's allowing them to keep the title. They walked away scot-free and with zero punishment. Zero. The GM paid for it and and, and the manager. Yeah. And, and, you know, to me, that's just the easy way. Um, it's a damn shame because I'm someone who... Watched a lot of baseball as a kid, kind of got away from it when I was um, in my college years and my older teenage years, and, and now it's it's my second favorite sport, and it comes with age, I think. I just I just enjoy it now. I guess that's all it is, but you know, for someone that's getting back into the baseball game and seeing something like this, it's a fucking joke, dude. It's a joke. I mean, I just don't understand how... Someone like Manfred can sit up there and complain about the sport going um, the wrong direction and then have this happen and handle it the way he did. He's asking for his own fucking taste of medicine, dude. Like, I mean, you know, cool. Suspend those pictures that throw Look, at Look, you wanted to Great. break my balls because about being a Mets fan, fine, whatever. I root for an impoverished franchise. I get it. The Wilpons suck. I wish that fucking Rob Manfred would make them sell the goddamn team. Hopefully, it will be done soon. And then not only that, too, the shit that they pulled on Cohen with the last fucking minute. Fred wanting to stay. Get the fuck out of here, Fred. No one wants you. No one likes you. Get the fuck out of town. But as a Yankees fan, you should be more pissed off about this. They robbed you of a possible oh, championship in 2017. 
Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm fucking pissed, and Dodgers fans have a right to be pissed as well. Um, the league has a right to be pissed, too, because you do have kids trying to make a career for themselves, coming up, getting rocked by these jackasses like Bregman and Altuve in their first career starts, and they'll probably never see the field ever again. And that's that's, that's fucked up, man. That's an entire kid's career. Um, so, yes, as a Yankees fan, I'm furious. Um you know, there's also the argument that everybody cheats and some get caught. Well, that might be the case, but this is a blatant cheating scandal that fucked the integrity of baseball. And they're blowing it over like it's a doping scandal of one player. It's 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 asinine. I don't, I don't know how any Astros fan can sit there and think that their organization handled this the proper way. Yeah, I mean, I I, I don't know where baseball goes from here either. I I, I just don't. Um, yeah, it, it's just it's crazy to me. It, it honestly is. So, and I think uh, somebody had a statistic. I, I wish I could remember it too. But um, if you look at the home and away splits for the Astros, it, it was just. It was kind of crazy to see, I mean, how much better they did at home uh, than they did away from uh, their own ballpark, which naturally, when you know what pitch is coming, you kind of have that advantage um, as well. And, you know, a lot of players have spoke out about that. So has uh, Mike Trout, um, you know, Cody Bellinger said that, you know, knowing what type of pitch is coming is far worse than anybody that might be on PEDs. So... I, I I don't know where baseball goes from here, but and and already to the censorship, right? Spring training has started. There was a guy holding a sign the other day that said the Houston Asterix, right? And I love it. Thank because you. Some, for somebody this up. actually on on Twitter, I can't remember where I saw it, but somebody actually said, right, so it's only spring training. The the Houston Astros are still stealing signs <laughs> because they actually went and confiscated the sign. That this guy was holding. And it's like, Jesus Christ, man. Like, really? Like, you really want it? It's not going away. Everybody fucking knows you cheated. It's such bullshit. Well, and I'm glad you brought that up because we're talking about a spring training game on a, what's today? Today's Monday. On a Sunday afternoon at 3 o'clock. Have fun on opening day, Rob Manfred. Because it's going to be a shit show. Whoever the Astros are playing, wherever they're playing. And it's going to be like that all damn year long. There will probably be more arrests at Astros games this year, home or away, than any other baseball season in history. Because people are going to be off the chains. And personally, someone like me, as a Yankees fan, we don't get to see these fucking assholes until the middle of September. And by then, this shit's nah, going to all know. be blown There's over. There's going to be a lot of animosity there. Part of me hopes it blows over, and then on the 24th of September, they come into the Bronx, and we just fucking start the whole Look, the, shit the one, show the over one again. The one thing that, just from living in the New York area, is uh, Yankee fans are pretty unforgiving, uh, even when it comes to their own team. So um, I don't think that they're going oh, yeah. to forget about this come September. I think it's going to be something that they're actually looking forward to. So that's going to be interesting. I just wish that Rob Manfred would do something about the uh, about this sport right now. It's just in complete disarray. 
I think it's uh, what he's done is complete, and that's how they're going to move on for it, and they'll pay for it somehow, some way. Both the commissioner and the Astros organization, the Houston assholes. <laughs> I like that. I I haven't seen that one yet. I seen the Houston Astros. I like the Houston assholes. That actually, <laughs> I like that one. Did you see that somewhere? You just came up with that. Just off the top of my great brain of mine, sir. I highly fucking doubt that you're not that smart. So anyway, so you know, and and baseball's underway. So we actually have spring training going. Um, we're going to have, uh, some guests on later on too, that we'll be able to talk a little bit more as the season approaches, but I mean, you know, Severino, what's going on with Severino, man? This guy's, he's already hurt. You really had to ask me that question and get me all triggered and shit. Um, <laughs> so I get it. You don't want to talk about no, it. No, no, no. I do want to talk about it. And now I'm all, I'm going to get all heated about it, but, um, I don't know who the fuck has been... Well, you weren't heated about the fucking Astros stealing your 2017 championship. Well, that's one thing. So I can't wait to hear this about Severino. That's one thing, but we have our own problems internally, in my opinion. I've been telling people that we have an unreliable rotation. Not that they're not good, they're unreliable. And here we are, uh, a couple weeks from opening day, and we're already down two pitchers, Severino and Paxton. Something in the back of my head is telling me Severino's going under the knife and he's going to get that dreaded Tommy John. I hope to God I'm wrong. Um, But what I'm very concerned about the most is when Aaron Boone announced this the other day, he said this injury lingered back all the way to the ALCS. So what the hell's wrong with that picture? So, so what do you think? The, the injury from last year was overcompensation? I don't know what I think it is because I haven't really looked into the physicality, the physical nature of what the injury entails. I just know it's a forearm injury, elbow injury. Um, but my question is, why the hell is Severino working out at a normal load when he is dealing with the same injury that he had in the playoffs? There is a massive massive question mark right there i don't like just the way the the yankees had to be next man up last year with all the injuries they had and then here we are entering the new season i mean when is it time to start questioning the athletic training staff you know it that's a fairly good point um you know and again i mean being a mets fan i mean we had plenty of that too not being able to keep people on the field um, except for Cespedes, who was too busy chasing hogs on his Cespedes farm. is going to be a beast this year, brother. I hope so. It, you know, and I like the fact that um, they renegotiate his contract as well. So it, the only thing that continues to kill me is, and, and the Mets can be very good this year. We just have to see what their bullpen is going to be. If we can get the Edwin Diaz of old, that'll be great for us. We got we got your boy, um, Dylan Batances as well. Um you know, I, I was never really fond of, um, oh, my God, why is his name escaping me? Who's the closer that we had? Uh, Jerry. Familia? Thank you. I was never really fond of Jerry's Familia, too. I mean, the one thing that always drove me nuts about this guy is that his breaking balls would always hang, and it just always shot us in the foot, too. Um, but it, you know, it, he was good as a closer for us for a little while. So hopefully he could get it together. Our bullpen should be a little bit better. 
Um, you know, it, this rotation shouldn't be so bad as well. Uh, again, it, it, same thing to, to your point in what you're talking about. You know, we just have to hope that we can avoid that injury bug. That's about it. So, so uh, we'll see. with Mr. Familia, are you aware that he dropped 30 pounds this offseason? Why didn't he do that last year, fat bastard? <laughs> yeah, he's down from 270 to 240. So, I mean, that's a good start for him right there. He He's he's aware that he has some issues that he needs to clean up. So, um, it's nice to see that he's taking it serious. How much does Robinson can no way? With steroids or without? Uh, currently. <laughs> what do you think he is? About uh, he's probably like 6 foot 226, I'd say. I think he's probably a little bit bigger than that. Now I now I gotta know. Uh, I'd be fine if the Mets lost about two hundred and twenty six pounds. He's two ten, six foot two ten. Well, if the Mets can shed two hundred and ten pounds, then I'd be fine with that. Yeah, I don't ever think that was a good move on y'all's part, but hey. Yeah, it's something we're still paying for, and then not only that too. I mean, you know, we gave up Kalenic in the deal, who's probably gonna end up being a stud um, outfielder, and he he positioned a need that we really, you know needed was uh center field so it just wasn't a good move for the Mets either yeah I see them uh posting Mets Twitter always retweeting Kelsenk uh videos dude looks like he's gonna be a hell of a power hitter but I don't know too much about him to be completely honest with you yeah so all right so we move on because we are well-rounded here Murphy when didn't you oh yeah New York everything baby New York area. It's a New York state of mind. All right. So we move on from the baseball field to the Absolutely. ice. So today was the trade deadline in the NHL. So, Murph, why don't you go ahead and explain a little bit about what happened? Well, I want to go on record saying that um, I don't care if you want to call me a bandwagoner for jumping back on the Rangers bandwagon when things got good. I'm loving this because New York sports are in the shitter and the Rangers are surging. Um, happy to see Chris Kreider get his contract today. Um, you know, I was very unsure. I was, had a little, uh, knot in my stomach this morning thinking that they were going to possibly move on from him, but with him being my, one of my favorite Rangers, I'm glad they're able to lock that up. Um, sad to see. How crazy is that though? You go from, you go from possibly trading a player to, to him signing a new seven-year deal. Yeah, and I mean that just goes with fake news again. You know, you gotta be, you gotta be careful with what you uh, you're reading. You know, um, who knows if they were actually gonna trade him? I just know that teams were asking about him. Uh, I know the Bruins were real hot on his his case, and I'm glad we didn't send him there. I, I heard today that they were a little unsatisfied um, with kind of the way he was playing, and yeah, you know, they kind of told him, "Say, hey, we don't know if we kind of want you here long term." And uh, his play picked up, and they gave him a new seven-year deal. So, Yeah, I mean, the Rangers have been surging lately, and, and Carter's been a big part of that. He's got good chemistry with um, Zuc- um, not Zuccarillo, with Mika and um, Panarin, so that, that's a good start right there. But, you know, I, I think it was really money-driven is what it was. They had some big contracts already on the books, so they needed to figure out how they were going to squeeze it in. Um, Chris was asking for... Uh, I think he wanted 7.5. He ended up cashing in at four years, 18 mil, 18.5 mil. Um, 
But I don't think this would have gotten done without what happened later in the day today. Um, they traded their starting defenseman, Brady Shea, from um, from Minnesota um, University. He, sent, he went over down to the Carolina Hurricanes. And, uh, you know, Shea's a good player. He's a good, strong defender. Um, I think part of the reason for trading him was not only Kreider's contract, but also because... Um, the Rangers are pretty young and loaded on the back end, and they're trying to get some of their younger guys some uh, um, playing time. Shout out to Tony D'Angelo. You know, I think he's going to get some more PT here going soon, so um, I, that's exciting. He's a big physical, exciting defenseman for the Rangers. Big, big ego too. Um, but you know, uh, they get them shedding Shea's contract was was massive in itself. But uh, for them to warn a first round pick in return, I mean, that's just an absolute win for the Rangers today. And uh, that actually kind of leads me into a next point I wanted to talk about with the Rangers. Mark, that's it. That sounds like all good news, but I think the Rangers also got some bad news, right? Uh, wasn't Igor Shesterkin, uh hurt in an automobile accident in Brooklyn? Shesterkin! Shesterkin! In Pavel. Yeah, so uh, good news is both of them are okay. Um, right, but I- Igor has a displaced rib, so he's going to miss some time, man. Let's face yeah. it. I mean, he was playing pretty hot. Yeah, uh, the rookie was hot. It's <laughs> it's kind of funny because the Giants fans that are our listeners and you and myself were both Giants fans, and we saw our transition with Eli. Um, the Rangers are going through the exact same thing with their goalie. Um, King Hank is, is, is on his way out of the league, uh, going from Henrik to... Uh, to this new kid, Igor Shesterkin. Um, the kid has been lights out in his last 10 games. He's 9-1 with a .94 save percentage. Um, the Rangers, I believe, are, don't quote me on this, 10-2 and two in the last 12 games. Um, they're surging right now. They're right outside the playoff window, which is great. And to top it off with a cherry, tomorrow they got the, rain, the Islanders, who are also in the wild card um, hunt. So... You know, tomorrow's a big night for the Rangers. It's been a big week for the Rangers. Um, but losing Igor is definitely going to hurt. Uh, I saw today that Hank will not start tomorrow. It will be Georgie and Net. So um, that's 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 interesting to me. You know, I I think they're really done with Hank. They've they've really phased him out. It's sad, but it, it's definitely been time, just like it was with Eli. Um, but you know, it's lining up to be a nice. Battle of uh, New York tomorrow night for the Rangers and Islanders. Yeah, well, especially uh, with the Rangers uh, making that playoff push, that's going to be tough to see how much that injury to Igor really affects them um, down the road. So, um, yeah, and it's going to be interesting to see. And uh, I think they said he's he'll be reevaluated in a couple weeks. So, to me, that's not the most. That's not the sexiest timeline as a fan. It's pretty defeating, deflating. I was pretty upset this morning when I saw that, but hey, things happen. Uh, Pavel Buchnevich was also in the car. He was actually the passenger, I believe. Um, he was a bit shaken up, they said, but he said they're listening to him as day-to-day. I doubt he's going to play tomorrow, right. but he should be in there by the end of the week. So, now that brings us to our fun segment. For this podcast. <laughs> so, we bring you to a segment that we like to call Clown Grade Downgrade. So, who are you giving this award to this week, Murph? Man, I would love to give it to a bunch of the people I see on Twitter every day, but 
I think we're going to keep this one professional <laughs> today. I'm giving my clown grade gra downgrade of the week to former first-round pick Gregory Robinson. Any reason uh, why I would do that, Mish? Let's see. Well, not really, because my guess is he's probably your hero. Well, um, first of all, he plays for the Browns, so that could be its own clown grade downgrade of the week, but that's not what we're going for. Well, it, 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 being that he played for the Browns, right, you got to kind of ask yourself. So he got busted with 157 pounds of marijuana. So being that he plays for the Browns, you got to ask yourself, was that distribution or was that personal use? Uh, So he was with another teammate, Quain Bray, who I believe they played together in uh, college. And Quain's on the Colts or was. He might have been released now. Um. I think he was with the Texans, Quan Bray. Yeah, he's jumped around the league a little bit. It says he was with uh, yeah. Indy last, but hey, you know, he's probably not getting a job again. But 157 pounds, man, <laughs> I don't know, man. I, honestly, I'm going to sit here and say I hope that it was for um, distribution because, I mean, why do you need 157 pounds, especially when you're an NFL player and could easily live in a legal state? I'm pretty confused on that but they said they found 157 pounds of marijuana stored inside a several duffel bags in the trunk of their car like how dumb can you be dude not suspicious at all yeah yeah and i think uh i think they found him down on the mexican border too which makes it even more crazy <laughs> you know it's not like he's smuggling fentanyl or cocaine or you know uh, illegal drugs yeah marijuana is legal in some states but how dumb can you be, dude? Just go to a state that it's legal and claim residency. You're an NFL player. You guys do this shit anyways. Yeah, well, it, it again, I mean, it just, what are you doing with 157 pounds? So I, I, I believe it was still personal use just because he was on the Cleveland Browns. Um, there is a lot of pain that you have to smoke away. And also, too, you know, he was probably going to give it out as favors as well. I mean, there are a lot of disappointed people on that team after a season that they had. So, Oh, yeah. Should probably send a care package to Freddie Kitchens, too. For fucking him over all year long and making him look like shit. Our new tight end coach. Hey, look, well, Greg Robinson's going to be available. What do you think about the uh, position on the Giants for him? Greg Robinson's going to be suspended. Ah. Uh. You know what? You always know how to shit on my parade, Murph. I mean, I'm just going by dictator Goodell's rulings that he just picks and chooses, but he has an out for marijuana users, so it's okay. Break your kid's arm, play in the Super Bowl, but smoke some weed. Banned. Indefinitely. So, going back to our original topic on the pod, Greg Robinson would probably be for the new CBA if it included a marijuana clause. Yeah, I, I just don't know where 157 pounds of marijuana fits into the CBA. I'm guessing <laughs> that would still be a violation. I just meant the use of it, not the pounds. I'm not a lawyer, but hey, what do I yeah. know? Hey. So on that note, I have one final comment, and that is our fellow Giants elite member. I uh, just want to give a happy birthday shout-out to our friend of the show, Mr. Chris, who can also be found on Twitter at Mr. Chris 172 
So, Chris, happy birthday. Love having you around, brother. Thank you so much for your contributions as well. Yes, sir. Happy birthday, sir. So, on that note, that does it for this podcast. Thank you very much for listening. Peace and love, everyone.